and welcome to another episode of the TNC podcast. I'm Johnny Bentley, your host, and I'm joined by the birthday boy, James Prescott, who's hit the magic 43 today. Happy birthday, James. Yes, thank you very much, Johnny. That's uh, very kind of you to tell everyone my age. I, I don't mind. I don't mind, honestly. I'm okay. I, I'm, I'm just the most managers, so that's all right. Yeah, I, I'm still a spring chicken by comparison, but uh, obviously James thought there'd be no better way, as ever, than to spend his birthday talking about football to me um, on this uh, on our wonderful podcast. Of course, this is actually a, probably officially, hopefully, the first official podcast that goes up after last time we had a technological mishap, but unfortunate. Yeah. But you know, hopefully this time. Uh, as it is your birthday, James, everything will go swimmingly well. And yes. the, the, the gods of Wi-Fi and the gods of technology will be kind and they will allow us a seamless transition over to our editors who will put this up hopefully very soon. Now, obviously, when it comes to podcasts, we always have lots of things to discuss. There was a cup final that's just happened. And obviously, everyone's you know going to be talking about quite a good game, actually, uh, between Manchester City and Aston Villa. It was a good game. Uh, Villa played their part more so when it went to 2-0 I was here thinking damage limitation straight away mm-hmm. Villa fought back really well and there'll be a you know I think I think just to, you know I'm sure you're agreeing James it was quite a quite a decent game but as a question that I would like to pose you know looking ahead because you yeah. know that that's what we like to do on this show that's one of three potential trophies for Manchester City now if Manchester City win all three trophies and Liverpool win the Premier League who has had the better season? If Manchester City win the, win the Champions League. Yeah, and the FA Cup. They remember, they're still in the FA Cup. Oh, yeah. I would say, I think, you, uh, I, on the face of it, Manchester City. Yeah. Because Manchester City have not won the Champions League. It's the biggest trophy. Yep. Uh, um, especially for them, because they've not won it. Nope. And to win three trophies in a season is incredible. Mm. Um, no matter how, what way you look at it. Um, and with the injuries that they've had as well, to you know, Laporte especially. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's been a big injury for them. It's basically one of the things that's cost them the title, apart from Liverpool being incredible. So, yeah, I think, uh, yeah. But also Liverpool will say they've had a great season as well mm. because they wanted to win. The, they haven't won the league for 30 years. Mm. Uh, they've been superb all season. Mm. I mean, weekend apart. Yeah. Um, which I, I must admit I did have a little giggle at. Oh, we but, all had a giggle. Um, <laughs> but they've been superb this season. They are, they are, they are the best team in the league. They are one of the best teams in Europe um, mm. and the, possibly the world at the moment, mm. uh, and they deserve it. And they then they if they only win the league this season, they will be absolutely satisfied with that because that's what they wanted. That was their number one target. Um, I know, I know. Obviously, the Champions League is a massive trophy, and they would mm. want to win yeah. that. But they've won it six times. They won it last year, um, and it's and it's a question of they haven't won the league. And the league is ultimately the measure of the best team over the season. So. For them and for them, for Liverpool fans, it means a lot to win the league yeah, after yeah. 30 years. And I, re- I mean, I remember when we hadn't won the league. Chelsea hadn't won the league in 50 years. That was the trophy we wanted. We didn't care about any other trophies. You know, it was, uh, you know, the Champions League became an obsession only after we had won the league a few times. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but I would say yeah, Manchester City, especially the the all the all the stuff about their you know their potential ban from the Champions League for the next two years, it would be almost. Uh, it would be the biggest irony um, mm. possible for them to finally win the Champions League and then not be able to defend it. <laughs> Next well, it, no, I mean, it, it would. I agree. I kind of think. It, I kind of think it suits both parties. If you'd have asked Liverpool fans at the start of the season, you could win the Champions League again, maybe even a cup double, Champions League and a, and a Carabao Cup or an FA Cup, or you can win the Premier 
League and dominating the way they have, they do that. They take the second option every single time because of how long it's been since they last won the Premier League. It's like getting the monkey off the back. Um, and then with the with the same sort of uh, respect to Man City, they, they for all their phenomenal uh, domestic success in Europe, they've kind of fallen short on a few occasions. And I feel like from their point of view, even though they have a love-hate relationship with UEFA and the Champions League in general, they just want to win the, 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 the number one competition in Europe because in many people's eyes, if you win the Champions League that year, you are the best team in the world. And Manchester City have been continuously the best team domestically uh, for the past two seasons, but they have fallen short, as we say, in the Champions League. And, and often that comes down to games where you think, oh, they could have won that. Or maybe the Pep Guardiola's maybe overthought a certain game. Of course, there was the, the Man City Spurs controversy when they went 5-3 up. And then VAR said, actually, you're not going to have that fifth goal. And uh, they crashed out to Spurs. So... Mm. You can feel like they've they felt a sense of injustice generally in the Champions League, as as Liverpool maybe have uh, in their in their fights to try and get a Premier League since the Premier League's even, since the Premier League formed. So yeah, I mean both teams amazingly could end the season with an equal sense of uh, satisfaction and joy. And you know, in in a way, I I would absolutely love Manchester City to win the win the Champions League for the reasons you just highlighted. It would be a big middle finger to UEFA. Which would amuse me. It would. Um, like that, because I'm not a big fan of UEFA either. No, no. I mean, <laughs> we, uh, there's been a massive debate, actually. I'm sure you would agree that finan- these financial fair play rules, even though they have their positives in that they are designed to make sure owners are cle- are sensible with money and don't risk a club's future, they also limit the opportunity for clubs who maybe haven't had the heritage of your Manchester United's, AC Milan's, uh, you know, Liverpool's and Real Madrid's, Barcelona's. They limit that, uh, that those opportunities for the smaller clubs because yeah. they have to still spend within their means still spend within their you know, I think it's with sponsorships coming in and things and obviously and naturally if you're Manchester United one of the biggest clubs in the world regardless of how well you're doing uh, in the league which hasn't been too well in the past few years you'll still be able to spend ridiculous money because you're Manchester United but then if you're a well, smaller club yeah I mean you say that but their yeah. profits weren't that big this year were they? No no I mean they no. dropped off a lot because they went in the Champions League mm. I mean you can lose serious money from not being in the Champions League you can uh, but think... it, still, it still wouldn't you, you just you still can't imagine it Man United pulling the purse strings I mean they spent 80 million pound on Maguire just last month last summer you know so yes, I mean it's, 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 I mean yes Manchester United have spent including last summer and in the January window they spent approximately 200 million this season well 68 you know, on Fernandes a lot of money yeah 68 on Fernandez just recently, more yes. more obviously to mention. But again, I think I think with these financial fair play rules, if you're a big club with heritage and you've, like like we say, the United lost lost a quite a bit of money in terms of the profit for not being in the Champions League, but they've still got sponsors who are bending over backwards, applying them with money and their heritage themselves. You know, in, in UEFA's eyes, really, it, it's almost like they aren't necessarily as begrudging towards them because they've had that history, because they've had that heritage. I mean, Manchester City, uh, new kids on the block really haven't had that they fiddled the books a little bit, obviously, and obviously they've been punished. We've, we've talked about this before, but they've been punished in the most serious way possible. But uh, again, it, it, it's it's almost... Again, I'm not saying what they did is right. They broke financial fair play regulations. But for clubs like City, who are trying to compete, and we've established you can only compete really in, in today's market by, by by spending more money, usually. Uh, yes, Leicester's season was a freak season. Uh, basically, that's your way for saying, know your place... You're designed to make up the rest of the league. You're not designed to be challenging for trophies. That's for the teams who have the most fans. That's for the teams who have the biggest sponsorship deals. It's kind of, it sucks a bit, that, doesn't it? 
It does. And I, the thing is, I remember um, I, I read a journalist uh, who used to work at UEFA mm. back in 2009 or something. Mm-hmm. And he was a Chelsea fan. And he, he mentioned it to some people there. And they said, oh, don't talk about Chelsea there, uh, here. We don't like Chelsea here. Mm. We're not talk- we don't talk about them here. You know, and it's like Chelsea again, like the new money, basically, you know. Snobbery. I know Bramovich has been there for what, I don't know, 17 years now, but mm. uh, but but relatively speaking, new money. You know, we, the, we're not one of the traditional clubs yeah, but... like Manchester United, Real Madrid, Barcelona, you know, Liverpool, with all the history and the heritage and the big fan bases and stuff. And, you know, mm. um, and um, I think... <laughs> Funnily enough, I know that there's a lot of Chelsea fans who empathise a lot with Manchester City fans, um, yeah. you know, and how we get treated by UEFA sometimes, and decisions that go against us. And 2009 know, was it against Barcelona? Yeah, we had three penalties not given, which were mm. two of them were clear penalties. And I, then, I remember Michael Ballack running at the referee. Yeah. Michael Ballack ran to the referee, didn't he, to yeah. gesticulate, and he was so angry. He ended up getting booked, I think, for that. Um, yeah, you know, and, and it was. Um, yeah, that that was. I mean, yeah, that was that was that was, that was a really great example of that. It really mm. was. Um, mm. that, so. Um, I, yeah, I mean, it, just in general, really, like I say, the, it, it, the financial fair play system has its merits, but I do think it's flawed and I do think it's almost a bullying tactic by UEFA to keep their. Uh, their teams with lots of heritage, lots of history, sort of in check or a little bit or a little bit safer than they maybe would be if you know yeah. other people decided to come in. But anyway, on yeah. on the. On that, on the topic of Man City, actually, so they were, as I say, they have the chance still to have a very good season, and you know they, they they're going to go tooth and nail at, at UEFA with their own lawyers. But I've been thinking about this actually recently, James. We talked about it on the the podcast that never was uh, beforehand, so, <laughs> yeah. so 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 we did talk about it quite a lot. So I won't I won't discuss it too much now. But I would like to. I, w- I was just thinking. If the worst case scenario happened, and we said on the that that podcast, we said if De Bruyne and Sterling were the two players at Man City that have just basically reached the top and don't have much more to go, they can't be without the Champions League for two years. If they left, and Guardiola left, and I know Guardiola said he'll stay, but there's still a long way to go, and you can't really say otherwise. If he ended up going to Juventus, and De Bruyne left, and Sterling left, and they were left with most of those other players. They'd have a lot of money, by the way, if they if they did get rid of De Bruyne and Sterling. I'd I'd hazard almost three hundred million, I think, if uh, if they got the market valuations yeah. right. Uh, but if they did have the bulk of that squad and they you know brought a few you know one or two players in to filter around, if they, maybe they lose a few more than De Bruyne and Sterling if the two year ban is in place, and maybe if they do lose Guardiola and then who takes up the ship? I suggested Patrick Vieira, but. Even if all that happened, even if there was some sort of fairly drastic change, I don't think it'd be. I don't think you'd see wholesale change at City. I think you'd see a few leave. Still a very good club. Um, I, I still think while they would not really be challenging Liverpool for the title as much as they were had been doing before this season, they won the last two. I still think they'd finish second. I really, really do still think they finish second because I look at the teams below them and I just think they're still another season away. From really, you know, get it, get it from, yeah, get it from where they want think, to be. It depends. If they lose, I mean, losing Sterling and De Bruyne is huge. Yeah, it is, it is. But I, uh, I raise you, James. Sure. Yeah, if, I think you know, if De Bruyne goes, top four, they would yeah. definitely top four without a doubt. Um, no. But, they, right, if they could finish second as well, that's possible. But if yeah. De Bruyne goes and Bernardo Silva takes up the position like he did for the you know season when De Bruyne was injured for the whole season, uh, just last season practically, he did a remarkable job and you know very underrated, understated uh, oh, in that city. Highly, yeah. 
Yeah, and then if so, if Sterling went, you put Riyad Mahrez on the side and maybe replace him with with, with a, a young upcoming winger. Of course, Sterling and De Bruyne are fantastic players, and they get into virtually any team in the in the world. But I think you know, there's Man City are more than just two players, and we've seen that because Sterling. You know, even when Sterling doesn't play, they've still got in Riyad Mahrez a fantastic winger who's getting better and better and really growing into his City role. And they've got Bernardo Silva can play wide, can play in De Bruyne's position. You've also got Phil Foden, who was excellent in the Carabao Cup final, who'd be a massive beneficiary if, if City did lose one or two of the, the, the big players. And you, you get the sense he'd thrive, wouldn't he? Actually, one of the one of the one of the players that that will probably be catapulted really into into first team action and you know a big upgrade on what he's been doing so far absolutely yeah i think that would be a great opportunity for him and he's good enough i mean mm. i think he's good enough he's a he's a massive talent um and i mean that uh, if he'd been coming if he'd been at the chelsea academy he would be he'd been playing regularly for chelsea this year without a doubt mm. for example he's that good is, is he better than mason mount james i think i think he's ahead of him in terms of his development i think i think that they're different players as well, I think. Um, I think Mason Mount's going to be a late developer. Um, he's a very intelligent footballer. His movement is is absolutely elite. He just needs to get more experience. I think he needs to also, I think, needs to play less games. I think he's played a lot of games this he has. year because, because Ruben Loftus-Cheek has been injured. So he's played more games than he would have played had Loftus-Cheek been fit. Sure. as well I think he would rather have staggered him into the first team rather than played him pretty much every week which he's had to do but I think you know within a couple of years if he's playing quite often he will become a, an excellent player the part of the problem for, for for Mount is that he can play in a number of positions yeah he can, play the number 10. he can play kind of the inside forward cutting inside he can also play as an attacking midfielder so um, and so you've got to find his best position as well. That's the other thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's definitely got the ability. I've been watching Mason Mount since he was uh, in the Chelsea Academy. Uh, so I've been watching for about six, seven years, and he's definitely got the ability. He was he was phenomenal for Vitesse. He yep. uh, absolutely phenomenal. Um, he got better stats than Ziyech actually that season mm-hmm. in the Dutch league um, mm-hmm. in terms of goals and assists, and he was the Player of the Year I think as well. Um, and uh, so he's definitely got the ability. It's just a matter of maturity. I mean, like I always say to people, Frank Lampard as a midfielder, um, when he was the same age, he wasn't performing at this level. He wasn't. No. He was playing for West Ham. He wasn't getting as many goals and assists. Yeah, I think I think that's why Frank Lampard likes him so much is because he sees a lot of himself in him in terms of how he develops, his intelligence, his work ethic. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of similarities. No. Between. Yeah, he's very... He's exactly the same kind of player, but no. in terms of mentality and development, I think they're very similar. Mm. But back... To, yeah, I mean, I, I would agree on most of that from Mason Mounts. Uh, certainly come a long way uh, from the... You know, he was only playing in the Championship last season, so a big step up, and he's yeah. largely done quite well. Uh, as we say, maybe a bit overexposed at the moment, so it'd be nice to see Ruben Loftus-Cheek uh, come back in. But uh, back yeah. to City though, uh, I was just I was just thinking, um, you know, we're talking about Foden. He'd he'd be a beneficiary maybe of, uh, a, you know, of, of a few pushing on, and as as we say, very very good on the ball. Uh, Guardiola raves about him. I mean, but 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 he has said uh, he said he's the best player he's ever coached recently, and I mean, obviously a bit of hyperbole there, I think, because coach Messi, Iniesta, Xavi, uh, Ian Robin, and you know, so on and so forth. Oh, but. No. Very, very, very big praise 
on him and I guess it's sort of to remind him how much he likes him because of course Guardiola hasn't been playing him much recently but yeah I mean even if the ban didn't come in I still think he'd be due some more minutes next season if it did it, I mean sorry if even if yeah if, even if the ban was overturned but even if it you know even if Guardiola did move on and some of the big players did move on I think again it it would just give him a it give him more of a platform, but I think he get he'd get he'd get a raise in minutes regardless of the situation. But just 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 sort of, I mean, let's dissect it a little bit. Then I mean, I was quite I think it, I think everyone was quite dramatic because it's a very big thing uh, what UEFA put on City, and it's it, it could mean a drastic consequences when we put when we put it look at it really, uh, and it would be you know horrible to see these people depart. But as you know, just to put it into some perspective, you know, even if Manchester City were banned for two seasons, it'd still be. And I mean, look at Man United. When was the you know Manchester United are really struggling to get into the into Europe's biggest tournament? But it doesn't mean they aren't an attractive proposition. Still, yes, they've got the heritage, of course, and Manchester City maybe don't have that, but they'd still have uh, a place. They'd still be regarded as a place in England where trophies can be won, where people can develop, where. Yeah. Lots of lots of very good players are, and they get, and obviously they can pay good money, good uh, on wages. So it's not, it wouldn't all com- be completely. I mean, it wouldn't be crazy doom and gloom, would it? If if the situation, if we put calm heads on, and I doubt there's going to be any point um, deductions. I think that's a bit farcical, really. It's more of a problem mm. with Europe than it is maybe domestically. But I think. Um, if they put if they put the sensible heads on, yeah, some some serious changes could happen. But it's like you said. I mean, it's it. You know, the bulk of the squad's still being there. It wouldn't necessarily be the end of the world completely, would it? No, it wouldn't. And it would also be kind of a reset for Manchester City, mm. in a way. Much like the transfer ban was for Chelsea, in a way. But mm. um, they're starting from a stronger base than Chelsea mm. were. <laughs> um, yeah, true. Yeah, because they're still a big club. They're still, they've got a lot of players there who've won trophies. Mm. But... They've got a winning mentality there. They've got, you know, they're not going to lose all their players like we talked about. Mm. Um, so they're still going to be able to be competing at the top level um, for top players and for trophies. Pep Guardiola is still there. Mm. For year. Um, they've got Pep Guardiola, who's one of the best managers in the world. Yep. People want to play for him. Yep. And if y- and younger players especially will will think, well, okay, I might not get Europe for a couple of years, but in the long run, I'm going to be playing in the Champions League and I'm going to be competing for it and I'm going to be competing for big trophies. So play the long game kind of thing. Even if Guardiola did leave, though, James, and I'd, I'd hate to well, see yeah, him leave. I mean, yeah, that's, that's just, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying no, to find... I'd, yeah, no, no, but even if he did leave, and I'd hate to see him leave, by the way, I think he's been remarkable, he's... he's, he's the time in England has been remarkable, and it's really—I mean, it's—I mean, it's affected the England national. It's Gareth Southgate's been modelling England in many ways off of from Pep Guardiola. He said so himself. He studied, he's talked to the the Man City manager about how he uh, trains his players, about how he sets up. So he's obviously not just Gareth Southgate, but we're all big admirers. I think he's uh, changing the way we think about football again over here in England. But um, even if he did go and say a younger manager, I someone like Patrick Vieira did come in it still doesn't mean City are a tarnished sort of place to go I mean again it's it, it's almost like a bit like Chelsea with Frank Lampard you know when Frank Lampard came in to re- replace Maurizio yeah. Sarri you know it doesn't just because Lampard's only managed Derby doesn't mean that yeah, people don't want it. to play for Lampard Chelsea, that's why Chelsea are a big club they've won a lot they've won 16 trophies in the last yep. 16 years you know they've you know including the Champions League Mm. They've got a big. They're in London. They, you know, they've got well, yeah. world-class training facilities, world-class academy. Mm. 
Yeah, they've got a big reputation. So, mm. I mean, the Frank, to be honest, Frank Lampard's got a big reputation in world yep. football as well. So, yeah. so they're, they're still on attraction for players. Mm. Um, you yeah. know, we, we, we've got, I mean, they, for example, they signed Hakim Ziyech, mm. who's a top player, without any guarantee of Champions League football next mm. year. Mm. Um, and that's that's a really that's a sign of the fact that Chelsea can still attract top players. Mm. So, of course, with, of course, with City as well. I mean, Manchester itself is basically the capital of the north, isn't it? So again, it's a very yeah, still exactly, a very attractive yeah. place to be. Um, yeah, it's more, more from what I've heard, it's more more attractive now to players. Um, yeah, playing, especially Manchester because it's because of all the uh, you know all the changes of the redevelopment that's gone on in that city in mm. the last uh, in the last few years. And you know, and you know, you know, Manchester City's owners have played a large part in that because they've built another huge team in Manchester. It's not just United now; it's City. Uh, the Etihad as a as a place is incredible, really. I've, I've I've had the luxury of going once or twice, uh, just as a neutral, and incredible, incredible stadium. And outside, they have uh, a complex built for fans where they can go for a pint or and ent- see entertainment. And they've got uh, punditry going on, live punditry with the next player, and people go and watch in like you know hundreds of people just outside before kickoff this is like an hour or two before kickoff and it's really quite something and also around as you say i know that the the, the uh, man city owners or or, or, or stakeholders uh, shareholders and stakeholders in the club have had a large influence on manchester in certain places that weren't necessarily as developed as they are now that you know certain places have received gen, gen, genuine financial investment so it's uh, you know, as we say, it's easy to beat City with a stick and say, oh, you know, they're, they're doing this, they're doing that, they're doing that. They've actually had a massive uh, um, benefit to the local area that's around them. You know, they really helped Manchester push on a little bit in certain in certain areas. So they deserve yeah. to be commended for that. Um, absolutely. And as we say, it wouldn't be as as we say, it, it, it would be a shock to the system. It could be a shock to the system. We're thinking worst case scenario if the manager and two of the three of the best players went. But the, the, by the sum of the parts, they have a very good squad that could be taken over. And I, right, I'll, I, I pose you the question: Would they finish? I think they could finish second still, even if Guardiola, you know, moved on to a different project and De Bruyne left and Sterling left. I still think someone could come in and get that squad if it largely stayed together without the uh, one or two or three of its key players. Sané would probably go to Bayern Munich. I still think it could finish second. So I'll ask you uh, if, if you, whether you agree or disagree, who could realistically take advantage of a city slip like that below them because i don't see it i don't see anyone who could well, do it i think it depends on this summer mm-hmm. i do i think it depends you know, there's a lot of clubs who are going to be spending a lot of money this summer manchester united obviously we know are going to spend yep. a lot of money this summer uh, it looks like they've improved to be fair with the, some of the players that they've brought in I think I'm realistically, still, James, I'm just looking at it. I'm still not a fan of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as a manager, personally. No, no, but no. Um, the, the players, some of the players that they've brought in have been... I mean, Fernandes looks an excellent signing. Yes. Um, but I still, I don't think Manchester United will do enough no. to catch Manchester City next season. No, just, 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 just to play... I'm trying to... Go on. The clubs that I don't think Leicester will do enough because they haven't got the money to, to, to be able to make that step uh chelsea will spend a lot of money in the summer but will they spend enough to catch up with city not sure they'll definitely spend enough to finish in the top three top four but they won't i'm not sure whether they'll spend enough to be up there with the city so you know arsenal well they're way behind and they don't have much <laughs> to spend I, and i can't yeah I, that, I mean that's wolves don't have the money either to make that jump 
So you're right, probably, that Manchester City could finish second. Tottenham, and James. They have a competent manager, like, even just a reasonably competent manager, you know, with an, an only lost um, Sterling, De Bruyne and um, Sané. They would probably make signings as well. Yeah. You know, I mean, they could still make signings. It's not a transfer ban. So, um, yeah, they probably would finish second. But <laughs> the problem would be that Liverpool would probably run away with the title again, which would, which I don't really like it when a team runs away too much with the title because it just makes it not competitive. So, but of course, you could argue that no team can sustain the form Liverpool have for, well, it would be three years, really, because in yeah, the first, yeah. the, they did it in the first season, they got 97 points, so, yeah. and they finished second with 97 points, mm. and then this season, they're going to probably only get over 100 points, mm. um, and will they be able to do that for three years in a row? I don't know, who knows? I mean, it depends who they buy this summer as well, but yeah, so you're probably right, actually, yeah. Um, and obviously, they have to get the right manager. Mm. Um, they couldn't. They have to. You can't. Uh, you know, a, a bad manager can make a make a team of talented players into a, a you know under a to, you know not as good. So mm. it's not just about getting any manager in and then you just send them out on the pitch and play. Even mm. good players need good management. So yeah, it's a fair summary. I think uh, a good 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 idea. Now I'm thinking is to break down each of those into sort of what they could get. And at this stage, I think it's always very interesting to do that. But I just want to I, I just pose you a question with Liverpool. I think the way it looks, I mean, this is this is under the impression that Man City, the Man City situation is, is as drastic as it could be. If it's not as drastic as it could be, then, you know, anything could happen. But if it is, and and I'm saying if it's drastic, they can still finish second quite comfortably. I still think if, if it is the drastic situation, Liverpool, I think, could afford not to sign a player again and finish first with something like 80 something points and drop maybe 15, 20 points. They, they uh, probably could. They yeah. probably and could that's do that. The thing. I mean, I've been reading articles about Liverpool's transfer strategy and they, they, mm. they don't want to make big, big money signings. Nope. They will only buy players who actually improve them um, and they will only make a really big attacking signing, I mean, mm. a really big one, if one of their attackers leaves. Yeah, well, they've been linked with Timo uh, Werner and Timo yeah, Werner. And I think, yeah, I think, to be honest, I've seen that more from his end than their end at the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. He clearly wants to play for Liverpool. Of course. Um, and who wouldn't, frankly? But he also on, wants guaranteed think, football, doesn't he? Yeah, and I'm not sure he would be a guaranteed start nope. for Liverpool. So mm. I, I'm not sure whether he'll end up at Liverpool. I think you know, there's other clubs that want him. I know Chelsea are interested in him. I know, uh, I think we've heard there's rumours of Manchester United as well. Um, you know, there'll be a lot of clubs interested in Timo Werner. So he will go where he feels he's going to play. Not, I don't think, if he was going to go, if Liverpool told him, well, we're going to sign you, but you're not going to be a guaranteed first choice starter. I'm not sure if he would go there. No, um, no. Because of the, I just, because of the mentality of the player, like mm. he wants to be a first choice starter, you know, and he should do because he's a quality player um, and he should be a first choice starter for a top side. That's why mm. you know, from what I've seen this season, he's, he's been superb. So um, he's earned the right to be a first choice starter at a top club. No, I mean, looking for yeah. When we look at Liverpool, though, yeah, like we say, I mean, it's it's a hard one because, as you say, he should be he, he done excellent for Leipzig. Leipzig doing phenomenally well as well in the Bundesliga. Uh, you know, lots and lots of talented players from Upamecano at centre back, and I've always been a fan of uh, Emil Forsberg uh, yeah. as well. So again, they've got they've got talented players um, from top to bottom. Uh, so they're doing phenomenally well. And unfortunately, as is the case, the vultures will be out in the summer, and I imagine they'll cherry pick some of those players from Leipzig. But um, oh, yeah. But yeah, I doing. Think, yeah, that's true. I think Upper Mancano will, will move. I think. Um, yeah. 
in the Premier League. Mm. There's a lot of Premier League clubs interested in him. Um, Werner, obviously, will move. Um, yeah. yeah, at least those two, probably yeah. more. I mean, I mean, I mean, when we look at Liverpool now, though, I think um, you know they they have quite a lot of talented youngsters, and Klopp's put some faith in them, and they managed to actually amazingly, I think, get into the next round of the uh, cup against a you know a Shrewsbury team you, that some people thought were favourites when it, when people said that they were going to play yeah. the under twenty threes. So yeah. I know they got a bit of luck with that, but they've got a few promising youngsters coming through, and I just think again, it's such a this summer's so defining because we're at a stage now where if the extreme happens to City, it won't affect them so much as as dropping from second, but it'll just make Liverpool that bit cushier in in, in the title race. As I say, they could have let standards slip a little bit, but we'll assume we'll just leave it there for a second. I mean, there's a few below them, and I and one of them you mentioned straight away was Manchester United. Now, for me, I think uh, the way United operate is the signings they've made have been very good. Actually, all of them seem to have ticked a ticked you know the the, the passing the, the the exams that that, that they're facing so far. Um, I think they might only sign one or two players in the summer. I really do because I think I think there'll be big money signings and I think one or two attacking players and I'm particularly thinking Jaden Sancho and uh, Jack Grealish. If they sign Jaden Sancho and Jack Grealish, I mean I think that that would be a huge huge boost to them to them as an attacking unit. You've seen what Fernandez has done. You've seen I'm what not Fernandez sure has done. Both of them. I'm not yeah. sure they would sign both of them. And there's a lot of clubs that want Jaden Sancho and. Mm. I'm not sure Man United would be the favourites. You see uh, the thing. The thing is, Jed, when when we look at Solskjaer and you, you, I know. It, not just yourself, but lots of people aren't c- too convinced with him as a manager. I think before Fernandez came in, you look at that midfield, and that's bottom half standard midfield in terms of creativity. You have Matic, who's a bit over the hill and now we're finding some resurgence. So again, you've got to credit the manager a bit there because he looked well past his best. Yeah, I know Matic, Matic um, is absolutely key to them hmm. finding form again. He hmm. really has. I mean, Fred as well. Fred suddenly found a bit of a resurgence again after looking lost completely at times last season and since he's arrived. He, you know, he's suddenly found a bit of form again. Again, they're all finding a little bit of form, but the fact that his main source of creativity before, I mean, we've got to remember Pogba's been basically injured for the whole season. So he was relying on a, on a I think he's 33-year-old now, 33-year-old Juan Mata and Andres Pereira and Fred, and, you know, these these were the kind of players in the middle. Scott McTominay was being talked about as someone who could create. And now, I'm not being funny, That the, you could name 10 Premier League teams with more creativity in the midfield, and, you know, you can say, oh, but Liverpool don't have that much of a creative midfield. They're workhorses. Yeah, but Liverpool have two of the best fullbacks in the world at creating chances for them. So they have a unique kind of proposition. Alexander-Arnold and Robertson are essentially their two most creative forces. And United have Wan-Bissaka, who's a brilliant defensive right-back, who's still trying to learn his trade going forward. Brilliant, you know, in one sense, needs to improve going forward. And then you've got Luke Shaw, who's still trying to rediscover that, you know, he's... Well, actually, he has been, to to, to give him some credit. Solskjaer's finding, seemingly slowly rebuilding him into the man that United thought they'd signed through playing Brandon Williams and, and, and making him and making him sort of, you know, think of and work harder to to get back up to his up to his best. So again, yeah, good right. management really. All I'd say to you, James, is who could have with that lack of huge lack of creativity on display, I don't think, even though the San Fernandez now they could sign another two attacking players, and they all they would all fit in because th- there's a lot of dead dead weight there as far as yeah. Far I, th- as I think they need a proper striker. I, I think they need a proper striker as well as another. They do they do need an attacking wide player yep. who can score goals. They do they do they absolutely do. Mm. And I think they need a proper striker mm. as well. I think and they've got Greenwood, who is a very promising young striker. Mm. 
Rashford can play as a striker. I'm still not sure if that's his best position in the long run. So I think they would benefit from having a, a proper striker. They've been linked with a couple. They've been linked with um, Dem- Musa Dembele from Leon. They've been linked with uh, Jimenez from Wolves as well. Mm both of whom would, would be great signings for them mm. in that position. I mean, uh, not, not a big Martial fan. is going to leave in the summer, which I don't know. I think he's out of contract. So they they're trying want... to get him a new contract, aren't they, I think? Oh, are they? Well, I if think they, they're trying I mean, to extend his contract, yeah, because of his they... upturning form. Right. Oh, uh, well, that would be interesting with what happens there, because if mm. if he stays, then they won't need to sign a defence and midfield player. But exactly. If he goes, they'd need to sign one. So, yeah, I mean, you're probably right. You're probably right, but um, even with even with those songs, I wouldn't see them as title challenges. No, year. no. Um, I mean, realistically, James, if we were to say, right, what what do United need for a title challenge? I'd say a left back, a centre back, a central defensive midfielder, a right mid, a centre attacking mid, and a striker. But they can't, you know, they can't well, do exactly. that. Can they? Yeah, can't do that I mean. one summer. Yeah, um, no. And the thing I do like about Solskjaer is the, is the vision that he has with in terms of player recruitment. He wants to buy young, talented players, yeah. Um, yeah. hungry players um, who can improve and develop at Manchester United and become a young, dynamic, attacking side. Mm. That That's Manchester United. That's what Manchester United have always been. Um, it's just that uh, my, my, I'm just not convinced that he's got the proficiency as a manager to, mm. to see it through. I think, I mean, if he keeps going like he is this season, then he'll probably get next season. But yeah. depends. I mean, I think it still depends on them finishing, getting in the Champions League, which is not not guaranteed at the moment nope. um, because I've been so inconsistent. I mean, Manchester United should have lost to Everton yesterday. Mm. I mean, they mm. should. That was a, that second goal should have stood. Yeah. As far as yeah. I'm concerned, yeah, they have. I mean, I saw a stat today saying that Man United have benefited from VAR more than any other team this season in terms of mm. points. Um, I mean, there's lots of games where they probably should have dropped points and they won because of a bad VAR decision. Mm. Or you know, so they're still inconsistent and. They need to get consistency if they're going to if they're going to get into the Champions League. I mean, fifth place could be a Champions League spot, mm. so that makes it easier for them. And of yeah, course, they're yeah. in the Europa League, and if they won the Europa League, they would get into the Champions League. Although I'm not convinced they'll win the Europa League. No. I think I think that's more likely to be Inter than anybody else. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah. Um, so it, it's it's a it's a kind of intriguing story at Manchester United because they're definitely in a better position now than they were. Mm. a year ago i think but there's still a lot of work to do um, sure i mean the the thinking i'm think the, the way i'm looking at it is as you just alluded to they need a wide player that's why i say sancho and they need a paul pogba replacement because i'm convinced he's going to leave so oh, again it absolutely is yeah you, so that's it for me so <laughs> again and, and and really uh you know united could get quite a bit from rev- revenue as we say if, if paul pogba leaves they could probably sell chris small in as well again again you're looking there at, and maybe jesse lingard and Pereira. you're looking at quite a bit of money there i mean you know you've got exactly. quite yeah. you got you got quite a bit quite a bit that you can you can you can go and throw around a little bit but at the same time uh they aren't quite manchester city are they for getting deals done efficiently quickly snappily you know i mean man city that summer in guardiola's second season they were remarkable bang 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 got all the targets in and they had a few weeks of the season before the season started you thought oh brilliant you know they know how to do business. Yeah. Man United, it's sort of obvious. It seems to be drawn out quite a bit, and they seem to be a bit. They seem to get the deals done usually, but it's a lot more slow and it's drawn out yeah, kind yeah, of. Yeah, I don't like Edward Wood. <laughs> no, no, uh, but, but 
if yeah. they suppose my hypothesis suppose they did get uh, Sancho and Grealish and Martial even though you've got obviously got reservations about Martial I mean when he plays with Marcus Rashford and uh, Daniel James usually on the other side and they're bombing on and stretching defences mm. he actually does seem to benefit quite a bit usually returns more goals than when they and gets more involved than when they aren't there oh, I yeah. think that's you know I think I mean, there's a lot of criticism with Victor Lindelof, but then at the same time, I think Maguire and Lindelof, as as, as we've sort of alluded to, is a bet is a much stronger partnership than the previous of, of, of you know Jones and Smalling that, that that used to be sort of drawn about, which was a bit like a, a comedy kind of sketch in 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 many situations. Smalling doing really well now, but you know as we say, they'd be still quite a bit off any sort of title challenge. But just those two attacking players, it, it would give United a bit more of a spark, wouldn't it? In those games where. Because they struggle against the small teams, against the big teams. Solskjaer's record's phenomenal. It, it, you know, he's got them up, set up well defensively, three at the back, hard to beat. Hit them on the counter, and they've, you know, they've done, they've had a really good record of playing counter-attacking football against the big teams. When it comes to a deep block, suddenly, I know Fernandez has just come in and it helped against Watford massively. But before Fernandez, at least, they, they seem very, very confused, passing sideways, slow football, and then, you know got hit on the counter themselves against smaller teams. So I think that's where they need to get really investment, isn't it? That, that, more right. than most other than defence. So, yeah, I mean, you're right. Yeah, and I know that I, they definitely do want Jaden Sancho, but mm. there's a lot of competition. That'll be a big transfer saga this summer. Oh, yeah. Because there's a lot of clubs who want him, and uh, a lot of clubs will feel they have a good chance of getting him as well. I know that I know through speaking to people I know uh, involved with Chelsea that uh, that... They, there's a lot of interest from Chelsea and there's a lot of interest from Jane Sancho in Chelsea. Um, but it yeah, depends on yeah. them getting Champions League football. <laughs> well, I mean, when you look at when you look at Chelsea, James, I mean, we've sort of touched on Chelsea a bit. So, but but uh, we'll, so you know, yeah. we'll we'll have a look a bit more at that. I mean, they've signed Ziyech. Very good signing. I'm sure we both agree there. Probably slot on the right side of the of a front three or or a four two three one, depending on yeah. where they want to to play. Yeah. yeah. And I've said to you before, I think Chelsea's main priority for a big money signing should be a centre-back because I look at them, and particularly against Bayern Munich, actually. I mean, I think Rudiger's not a bad player, really, but is is he a... I think he's in the team because he's he's the leader, the commanding presence. He's a leader, isn't he? He's, he's got that leadership. I agree with you. I'm, I'm not a fan of... Rudiger's been poor. I mean, mm. he's been really poor recently. Positionally, he's been out of position a lot. Uh, he's given the ball away. Um, I think he's only in the team because he's the most experienced centre back. Yeah, yeah. And, he, I, and, and because he's a shout, he kind of shouts, shouts and organises and it helps. You know. It doesn't. It is needed, obviously. I think it, you know every yeah. club needs a commanding. But I agree. I think you know we've sort of touched on Koulibaly and age, but someone of of that ilk, someone who's going to come in, step, and it's got. To, he's probably going to have to pay big money, just like the seventy-five for Van Dijk uh, was for Liverpool. But you, you I think that you know there's a lot of promising young centre backs at Chelsea. You've got Christensen, you've got Tamori, uh, Zuma's still relatively young, and yeah. you've got. You know, and Ampardu, of course, who's on loan, but also can play midfield. So maybe his future's in defensive midfield. But um, yeah, but uh, for me, I think, as we say, Rudiger's there for his leadership skills and for his ability to organise. But if they had someone with, you know, a bit more about a bit more ability, a bit more like an elite centre back, I think that an elite centre back, I think, would suddenly would would address a lot of problems in that defence because I think I think there's two positions that to Improve defensively. Mm. Um, we need a, Chelsea need a top class centre back. Yeah. 
you know, and I've had links with Upper Mancala, which would be yep. excellent. Um, you Just know, discipline uh, issues, though, James, and also very young. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's I don't, I don't, I don't decide the targets. No. Um, I mean, I, I would love, I would love Koulibaly. I think yep. as a Chelsea fan. <laughs> my Chelsea yeah. fan hat on Koulibaly yeah. is exactly what Chelsea need mm. in that in that defence because he's experienced yep. he's a leader yep. he's a world class centre back yep. um, yep. he would organise that defence he would be a mentor to the younger player, to the younger defenders and help mm-hmm. them improve and give them a bit more confidence playing next to him um, yeah it, it, it makes a lot of sense that signing and I don't I don't know whether Chelsea are interested in him or not I don't know but um, we were linked with him in January I think but uh yeah, I, I, yeah, I absolutely agree that we Chelsea. One of Chelsea's priorities this summer has to be a commanding centre back. I mean, yeah, I, 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 and, and they have to, and and I think the other position. There's two, three positions really. Chelsea need need to improve their defence. Mm. One of them is a centre back. One of them I think is a is a proper defensive midfield player because Jorginho mm. is not a defensive midfield player in the in the in the way that Lampard wants to play which is high energy pace intensity mm-hmm. quite physical he doesn't he doesn't fit that profile he's not a bad player at all but he doesn't fit that profile of that style of football see uh, I, I, I just to raise I you think, actually well, i think Chelsea need a player in that position too mm-hmm. and then of course there's the goalkeeping position which yeah uh, we'll probably have a discussion about but Bro- um yeah. You know, both, I think. I'll touch on the Jorginho. For me, I think it makes sense to keep Jorginho. And you've got, for me, I think the reason being, he gets, still gets quite a bit of criticism. But, and obviously, I, I think he got overrun against Bayern Munich, as did the whole Chelsea team, really. Um, but um, I think what you get with Jorginho, it's particularly this season, I think he's been very, very good in, in, in breaking down teams with, again, with deep blocks. I mean, his passing is incredible at times. And I mean, there's a ball against Watford he did for Abraham, which was earlier in the season. Absolutely fantastic. And I, when I see Jorginho play, uh, most of the time, as I say, you can, almost guarantee he's not going to lose the ball and you can almost guarantee he can pass the ball forward uh, you know and, and open up open up gaps if he's given time on the ball which i think is so key against you know those those teams uh, close to the bottom but i think it'd be clever to do some careful rotation with maybe him and angolo kante in certain games maybe where kante a more tenacious off the ball worker uh, would benefit i mean against bayern munich you'd have thought that's a kante game for example because uh, you know jorginho did struggle a little bit you thought put kante you'd have, he obviously was injured so he couldn't but in that kind of scenario kante and kovacic for me actually is becoming the one who can do both both sides of the game yeah, I think Coventry has had a superb season. He is playing really, really well. He's passing. His passing completion rate is really high. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, obviously, he's dribbling. Um, um, yeah, he's, he's physically quite strong. He's adapted to the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's. I mean, to be honest, most most fans I talk to are saying that he's Chelsea's Player of the Year yeah. this year. Um, so, absolutely agree with you on that. Like, he's a quality, quality player and. I mean, look, I'm 40 million as well. Absolutely. Yep. See, see with with Chelsea and United, this is the common thing. I think there's still about five or six players short. I mean, you look at others and, and, you know, genuinely. You see, the Kepa situation, so I'll, I'll touch on this now. I just think... At the moment, if you exit, if you the longer you keep Kepper out of the side, anyway, suppose Cabi, I don't think he will, by the way, but suppose Caballero was to remain number one until the end of the season. That's that's knocking down Kepper's uh, market value 
every every single game that he doesn't play. And then suddenly you've got maybe a keeper that's unhappy, the manager doesn't really want him. Suddenly the £70 million buy, the £70 million man, his market value is shot so low that even... I've been seeing rumours about, oh, offer, you know, £20 million and Kepa for Oblak. They could ask for fifty million in Kepa for Oblak. I mean, Chelsea don't really have a leg to stand on with this negotiation. I don't think. And uh, uh, you know, it it, it 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 makes sense to me. I don't think see this think there's too much point in continuing to right. I, I don't think Gabriero's a bad keeper, and I think he does. He, he's certainly a very very good backup, a dependable backup. But I think. I think Kep has served his time to. It, this could be a sense of good management from, from Lampard in the sense that I've wrote an article on this. He said that he was, uh, you know, there's been various reports suggesting that Kepa's concentration would maybe elsewhere because of situations in his private life. He'd split up from his girlfriend. He got all, he'd been getting some media scrutiny as well, and some of the fans were getting on his back. So maybe it was good time to drop him to get him sort of refreshed. Maybe he was, you know, I've Kepa's got a very sort of. We saw last season in the Carabao Cup a very strong attitude and strong personality that. Uh, maybe it was important to maybe push it down a little bit but I don't see there being much of a benefit to continuing with Caballero Caballero's not the you know Kepa's ceiling's higher than Caballero's by quite a bit I think and you know it makes sense to show Kepa that obviously there's two keepers at the club and that someone can come in for a time while a situation or various little things resolve themselves but I do think that it makes sense for Lampard to really to to find a way to maybe integrate him back in. And, uh, I do think and, and he's going to get another chance. I do think tomorrow. Yeah, I read an article saying that he's, there's a good chance he will start against Liverpool. Mm. Um, now, the last time he got dropped, last season, he mm. came back and was man of the match in the first match he came back. There you go. Um, now, Lampard's always, always praised his attitude and his work ethic. There's never been a problem with that. Um I don't think that he was dropped basically on performance, not on anything else. Yeah, yeah, sure. And um, deservedly so, I think. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's a difficult one. I think you're right. I think if, if if he was to leave Chelsea in the summer, I don't think they would sell him. I think what Chelsea have done in the past with players like Kepa, who have you know who cost big money and then not done so well, is they've loaned them out to a place where they will play regularly, which has increased their value, and then sold them. Um, that's the end. I mean, Chelsea are quite good at that as well. But, but I mean, yeah. And, and the thing is, Cabrera is out of contract in the summer, so I could see a scenario where they go out and spend twenty-five or thirty million on a not a backup keeper, but a keeper who can legitimately challenge Kepa for his place. Like one, 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 one name's been suggested is Ariola, who is on loan at Real Madrid and on the bench there. He was on the bench at PSG. Chelsea had an interest in him before. Um, he would keep if he came in then that's a legitimate challenge to Kepa. Yeah. And so there's a chance that, so Kepa could have a chance to keep his place, but then you'd have a top keeper right behind him, challenging him, pushing him, so that if he didn't perform, there would be somebody ready to come in and and be the regular number one. Mm. And I think that may be the route that Chelsea go because it's it's cheaper. Yeah, yeah, more (laughs) cost-effective. For another chance to prove himself. But my own opinion is that if they did that, whoever they signed would end up being number one because I don't think... I'm not convinced Kepper is is good enough, but no. I'd love to be proved wrong. I mean, I don't, I don't, I always back, I always get get behind players. Yeah, uh, especially one with a good attitude. Kepper's always had a good attitude. So, you know, if he comes back in in, in tomorrow, then plays the rest of the season and plays an absolute blinder, then problem solved. You know, yeah. um. So, yeah, I mean, that's an, that's going to be an interesting one. But that that situation does need to be resolved next for next before next season. 
either way because either he needs to start performing or Chelsea need to get in somebody who can play in that position regularly because yeah. that is that, that has been a factor in their defense this year I'm absolutely yeah, no. Absolutely. I mean, we, you know, we, talk, we talked a bit about United and Chelsea there. They're obviously, again, sort of trying to, uh, uh, the sort of an over, overhanging question at this point, which has sort of been set up by me that hypothetically if Man City had the worst case scenario, they could still finish second. We're looking at the diagnosis as to why. They're sort of two examples of two, as I say, two teams that still have a long way to go, really, uh, in, 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 in a period of time. And another one, actually, obviously, going down the list, uh, we have... Uh, Arsenal and I mean Arsenal have been so far off this season Arteta has come in given them some life and it's quite sad really because they've they were they were a sinking ship under Emery and then under uh, Freddie Umberg didn't really do much to turn the tide with them and Arteta's come in and he's slowly started building foundations he's made them better defensively he's got them playing a bit of a more progressive style he's brought Ozil back in and Ozil's playing kind of better than he was previously and there's a bit there's hope on the horizon all of a sudden then they play against Olympiacos and uh, in, in you know they've been doing quite well in terms of form up until that point and they chose that day to have an off day and, and, and they crash out of the Europa League then there's talk that Abamyang will leave probably because it's in the last 12 months of his contract and he doesn't want to sign a new one. At 31, that's probably fair enough, you know, enter, entering at the years where he want to win trophies. He never actually won uh, a league title. And then Alex, Alex, Alexander Lacazette, who's not been in the best of form under Arteta, has supposedly said that if they don't have Champions League football next season, then he would want to leave as well. So... I, with Arsenal, you get, you get, you know, they're making this steady progress, and that's good. But suppose they don't get European football next year. I compare losing Aubameyang to like Chelsea losing Eden Hazard in terms of that talismanic factor. And although Alex Lacazette hasn't been in great form for uh, under under Arteta, again, that's still another big source of goals gone potentially. Uh, that could be catastrophic, couldn't it? I mean, you're ripping so much of the Arsenal team the heartbeat of the Arsenal team in many ways, Lacazette and Aubameyang, before Arteta, were Arsenal. Get the ball to them, they'll score goals. If they get suddenly disappeared, I don't care how good, you know, your your architect is like Arteta, he's going to struggle. Yeah, he is. I mean, they're not, they don't, they're not going to have, they're not going to have a lot of money to spend. Mm. You know, I mean, even if they sold Aubameyang, he wouldn't, it would still only be for about 50 million because he's 50, 60, yeah. And, mm. you know, they're not, and also, I mean, Arsenal aren't as big a pull now. They're not. Mm. They haven't been in the Champions League for about. I can't even remember when they were last in the Champions League. Wenger was managing, mm. I think, the last time they were in the Champions League. Mm-hmm. So they're not, and they haven't won anything for quite a while. They haven't won a league title for about 16 years. They're not. I mean, and there's other clubs who have more money, who are more competitive, um, who've won trophies more recently, um, and who are a bigger pull. Arsenal and Arsenal are going to struggle to to get back again. You know, that, I mean, that's the, the first thing they need to do to, to get back again is really is get into the Champions League. And if they got into the Champions League, then they would have a bit more pull and a bit more money. But they don't. And, and yeah, you know, you were thinking, oh, you know, they'll get through in the Europa League and they could win the Europa League and that would be their way back. And I think that's like what Arteta was thinking as well. But then they could see that goal in the last minute and they go out. Yeah. Uh, uh, and that's yeah, and that's an absolute disaster for them. And it's going to take mm. them a while. They're not going mm. to be t- they're not going to be title contenders for for nope. for a few years. You know, I mean, if I don't know when they'll be title contenders again, they need to th- things need to change radically at that club. They need to spend a lot of money, mm. and they need to they have to give Arteta time because 
he's not going to get the backing that other clubs are going to have. No. Pulling power that other clubs are going to have. But so he's he, very clever in how he in how he spends money. He's been very good so far with the, with the way he's raised the levels of his current players. I mean, theoretically, if they did manage to hold on to a Bamiyang, I do think suddenly there's a you know I mean that's like as I say that's like Chelsea losing losing Hazard. Absolutely. I do th- I do think if they manage to retain Aubameyang somehow and they manage to get maybe maybe get Ceballos permanently because I do quite like Ceballos um, when, when it, you know I know he, he was in on and off under Emery but when it, when he when he is when he's good and he and he's so he's confident he's a very little he's a lovely dynamic player in the midfield he helps Ozil out a lot as well I mean if if they somehow kept Aubameyang obviously Saliba's coming in in the summer and he's a very uh, exciting young player basically got the characteristics of Virgil Van Dijk much younger. Obviously, the difference between him and Van Dijk is the uh, is that Van Dijk's proven himself at the highest level, and Saliba still to do that. But you know, based on uh, he's very tall, very fast, very good on the ball, very likes doesn't like to dive in. So the, the signs are very promising for him. Obviously, it'll be different. To, it'll be interesting to see how he does next season at Arsenal. But if they sign one or two players, kept Aubameyang, continued to build what they're doing now, I think there's a bit of hope. I just think if they lose Aubameyang, it's that's huge, and then maybe to lose Lacazette as well. I know he's not been playing too well, but again, you you you're starting hundred hundred yards behind everyone else, and it and it, and it becomes very difficult. I th- I think Zahar personally would be a good signing for Arsenal if they if they managed to you know get get the funds in from players sold, but uh, even he wouldn't be able to directly yeah. replace Aubameyang like for like. No, he wouldn't. But yeah, I mean to be honest, yeah, Zahar would be. A- would be a good signing for Arsenal right now. You know, mm. he would. Um, but he's going to be expensive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And they tried, it, they tried last summer and they couldn't get him. But no. um, Zaha wants to move to a bigger club. That's, mm. Yeah, that's that's true. Arsenal need... If Arsenal get money from Aubameyang, they mm. could put that money towards getting Zaha. Mm. Uh, they had 50 million, then it would only cost them an extra, what, 10, 20 million yeah. Yeah. to get Zaha. So that's possible. And he can play anywhere along the front line. If they keep yeah, Lacazette, yeah. they've still got a striker. So you then have an attacking line of, of Pepe, Zahar and um, Lacazette with Ozil, obviously, in the number 10. So it doesn't sound it doesn't too bad. bad. Martinelli no, as well. It doesn't sound too bad at all. Um, and I'm, I, I would back Arteta to get the best out of Zahar as well. Um, mm. I, mean, I rate Arteta very highly. I do. I do. I do. I think yeah. he's a very yeah. good coach. Um, and... I mean, if he had the resources Pep Guardiola had, he would create a really, really oh, amazing yeah. side. I'm absolutely convinced yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. He would have been a great... He would have been the natural successor to Pep Guardiola at City, actually, for me. And um, who knows, that might still... You know, in the long run, that might still happen. You know, maybe that he yeah. does a few years at Arsenal, does well, and then Man City come come calling for him, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that would be embarrassing for Arsenal because it would show them how far behind Man City they are. But yeah. it's likely... Um, he Steven, of... Steven Gerrard at Liverpool, maybe with when the <laughs> club moves. That, that that I'm absolutely convinced that will happen. Yes. Mm, yeah. Once all... he went to Rangers, um, I thought you know Klopp's going to be there for Liverpool for quite a few years still. Goes to Rangers, gets experience of competing for trophies, gets management experience, uh, and then comes back and yeah. you know, he takes over Liverpool. Yeah. Uh, Klopp goes. Whenever that is, and I, I did, I do think it was very interesting. They both extended their contracts to the same year. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> and it's very close. 
it's actually very close to each other as well. They've both got announced very close to each other. So, you know, they, they deny, of course they deny that anything's going on. But, you know, I mean, Gerard's got big contacts with Liverpool. He will know what's going on at Liverpool. Um, and I'm pretty sure they will want him back at some point when he's ready. So, yeah. And that was another interesting story, actually, that I read about mm-hmm. Steven Gerrard. Um, because Rangers lost in the Scottish Cup dramatically. Oh, well, he was furious, was, wasn't he? Furious. And he was really upset, and, I, and there was a report saying that he was so upset he was going to just. You need to go and think on his future. He needs to go and think about what he's going to do. Like no, no Rangers manager has stayed for two years and not won anything. Apparently, I heard they'd be on two years and not won anything. And Stephen Gerrard's a winner. I mean, he's a winner. Yeah. So uh, he will want to win things. And if his teams are not showing the character and they're not and they're not winning things, mm-hmm. he's going to get frustrated. Yeah. I mean, he's been he's been heavily backed in the transfer market. Mm-hmm. I think he's definitely improved Rangers. They're mm. definitely more competitive now. Yeah. I think if they stick with him, then he will end up winning things there. Um, yep. But it's up to him, obviously. If he if he mm. feels that he, he he's not going to get that backing or that the players aren't good enough or they're not strong enough mentally or whatever, then that's up to him to decide. Yeah. But but yeah, you're right about him and Liverpool. I do think that will that will that will eventually happen. You could you could have a scenario where you have Arteta at Manchester City. Stephen Gerrard at Liverpool and Frank Lampard at Chelsea. I mean, if Arteta was at Arsenal, if Arteta was at Arsenal, that'd probably suit more still because he was an ex-Arsenal player. Obviously, still, yeah. I mean, that, yeah, yeah. I was, I mean, yeah. Arteta, Arteta will be at Arsenal for a while, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. But talking about hypothetical, yeah, 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 years time, you know, which, um, which. You know, you never know. Um, but yeah, just a quick word actually on some of the, on some of the other challenges, and I just want to quick chat on the ink. You know, England, because that's been up and about. With a, you know, it's we're only a few months away now from the Euros, if it's still alive and not killed off by the coronavirus. But um, hopefully, it's not. Uh, just uh, just to touch on um, some of those, uh, some of the other, you know, teams in and around that, that are doing well this season, and how will they fare maybe as as we push on past this season? I think with Leicester, I think they're slowing down a little bit now. Um, I think they're still a very good squad, but the challenge of competing in Europe and competing in, you know, domestically will probably hit home, won't it, next season, you would imagine. A bit like it did when they won the title. Yes, I think it will, yeah. Mm. Um, that, yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they've been, linked with, they've been linked with Adam Lallana and Ryan Fraser. I think Ryan, sorry, they've been linked with Adam Lallana on a free, which would, I think, be a good signing. They've also been linked with Ryan Fraser. No, they haven't been, sorry, they were linked with Lallana. I kind of think they'd be do they'd do well to go for Ryan Fraser on a free because I think he was very good at Bournemouth for a while not so good this season but again a free transfer I think they need they've always been shrewd in the transfer market I think they'll need to be again and I think they'll retain the bulk of their players really they're in the Champions League I think it'll be the season after when they've had the little run in the Champions League and if they're yes. still you know that's when yeah. they'll probably yeah. lose a few that's when Mares went to Man City wasn't it Mares stayed yeah I mean um, yeah I remember after, when they won the league they lost Kante, wasn't it? They lost Kante to Chelsea, and they lost somebody else. Mm. But they kept the majority of the of the squad. They well. kept they kept pretty much everyone. They kept pretty much everyone. They did, um, yeah. and they were they were quite competitive in the Champions League that year. You know, yeah, they were very good, very good. Um, you know, so yeah, I mean, they've got a really good scouting system. They they're very good at finding trans- quality players. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're 
So I think they will, again, they will recruit cleverly. Um, as in not, smart, not Tom cleverly. No, not Tom cleverly. They will, <laughs> they will, they will recruit smartly. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Because they're very yeah. good at that. You know, yeah. and I think, I don't know, I think because of Manchester United, you know, Chelsea, Spurs, all will spend the money in the summer, mm. all will improve. So I don't think that they will stay ahead of all of them. But they will still be a competitive team. Agreed. Um, they will still challenge for Europe. They could still challenge for the top four. Mm-hmm. Um, and they will, yeah, and I think they'll do pretty well in the Champions League. Just just a quick, just a quick word as well on, on Jose Mourinho and Tottenham Hotspur. Can he take them beyond where, well, I don't think he can take them beyond where Pochettino took them. I think the better question would be, can he sustain next season? It's been a bit of, a, this season's a bit of a write-off, I still think, really. But next season, with a bit of backing, can he get them back to where Poch had them? Top four challenges. I think if they buy well, if they actually back Jose Mourinho with the players that he wants, mm. then they can be top four challenges. Yes. I think so, yeah. Yes. Bergvine's been a good signing, hasn't he? Yes, he has. Yeah, really impressed with him. Yeah. Mm. I've always rated him as a player as well. Um, you know, he, and he fits with the, the way that they want to play. So, um, yeah, very good, very good signing. And he will improve as well. They've been been a bit unlucky with injuries at the moment, haven't they? I mean, the fact that um, Young Midson and Harry Kane are injured, two of Tottenham's best players, uh, you know, that's just very unfortunate, isn't it? It's left them with Lucas Moura playing up front, Bergwijn having to play up front. And they say, oh, put the young, uh, I think it's Parrot, isn't it? Put young Parrot on, on, you know, give him a chance. But it's not, I mean, it's a lot to ask, isn't it, to throw someone like that? I mean, it's a bit akin to when, I I suppose it's well like when Louis van Gaal played Marcus Rashford. For the first time it can happen you know you can get successes from it but you know mm. it's not always you, you can't always just expect to turn to the really young the young guy who's been banging on the door and expected to deliver it so obviously van gaal thought it was right at the time but you can understand why Mourinho might be a bit reluctant to just throw him in straight away like this one of the i'm, I'm one of the things i'm calling for spurs this summer is that they will sign william on a okay. free, so really now yeah I'm absolutely certain that's going to happen. Um, and the reason I say that is because he's not going to sign a new contract at Chelsea. No. He said that he has just got his British uh, British citizenship. He hey. loves London. He's settled in London with his family. He doesn't want to after Brexit. Yeah. So um, I think that, uh, and of course, Jose Mourinho is a big fan. Yeah, he's still true. in contact with William. They're, they're good friends. Um I and of course he's quite experienced, which Spurs probably need. Probably, well. probably an upgrade on Eric Lamella is back up to Lucas Moura, though, isn't he? I absolutely, I, I think I think that will happen. I'm absolutely convinced that will happen uh, on a free transfer. I mean, uh, so I'm calling that. You can you, you, know, you can you can um, hold me to that in the summer. Or, may, or maybe um, he's heading to uh, join Roy at Crystal Palace when Zahar <laughs> leaves. Maybe that's what. Maybe that's uh, where I, his calling is. Uh, I somehow I doubt it. I doubt, I doubt that. Yeah, yeah. I don't have to go to Arsenal either because Arsenal are not. They don't play a football that's kind of suited to him anyway. I don't think. I don't, no. think, I don't think Arteta would want him. So. No. Uh, um, yeah, I, 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 if, if you're I right, James, I think you know there's there's certainly worse players to have as squad players for Tottenham, and uh, I think he could do. Yeah, for yeah. them, it's a, it'd be a good signing. Yeah, pretty, pretty good signing. I mean. Yeah, no, I, I think that's, you know, I mean, I even, I'd even argue, and don't want to talk about Chelsea too much, quickly move on to the national team, but I would say, if, you know, they could, if Chelsea could get, I know they don't like to give contracts 
plus one year to over 30 year old players but if they did uh, come to an arrangement he wasn't being paid too much I'm pretty sure Chelsea would be happy to keep him you know he's played quite a lot this well, season hasn't but, he? yeah the, he wants a three year he, he was interviewed oh. at the Bayern Munich game yeah, on Resilient yeah. TV and he said he wants a three year contract Chelsea have offered him a two year contract and there's going to be they're not going to change their mind yeah. um, and two years is longer than they normally offer yeah. Anyway, yeah. so that's why I think he's going to leave because I think he wants he wants a three year contract at thirty two, yeah. um, and I, I would not. I don't think he's. I don't think that's a that's a wise investment yeah. to yeah. make. Anyway, yeah. Quick, anyway, yes, but that was about word. really about Spurs, not about Chelsea. But yeah. Um, yeah, but quick word anyway, just before we we do go. Well, give it five minutes on on England, the England national team. Obviously, uh, I think I, it must it might just be me looking on certain hashtags, but it does seem like people are starting to get get a bit fired up, ready now for the European Championships, and people are dissecting who should be in the squad who should start blah 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 blah. i mean there's been a few debates actually so i'll throw a few to you and we'll we'll just quickly i mean goalkeeping one that's massive and i can't even decide that and i no one can i don't think there's a right or wrong answer really on that because you've got three candidates and you can see pros and cons for picking all three then you then we move then we move up the field i mean it looks like kane's going to be fit for the euros Mourinho says he's ahead of schedule so that's good because i think he needs to he says it's good news yeah yeah. I personally think you can pick any combination at front three between Sterling, Sancho and Rashford uh, and as long as Kane's in the middle. And I think I can't really complain too much with whoever the two is picked. I Personally, I'd go so, Sancho, yeah. Sterling, if it was me. But um, I can that see... That would be my three too, yeah. Yeah, I've heard people make very good arguments for Sterling and Rashford. And, uh, you know, even if... And then if Sterling was in some bad form, you could you certainly wouldn't complain at Sancho and, Sancho and Rashford. So, again, the front three is brilliant. Then you move up a bit and should Grealish start should he not start and then for me the big polarising position I was talking to some friends about was, was defensive midfield I mean you've got Henderson who I think is the one that plays slightly in front and is guaranteed a place in the midfield but who plays as the deepest midfielder or, or the defensive mid in a, in a double pivot 4-2-3-1 so goalkeeper defensive mid and should Grealish start well, I think they're three kind of big pressing issues at the moment yeah your thoughts are you asking me my opinion on all of those? Uh, we'll, we'll go for we'll go for goalkeepers first. Now I'll say me, okay, and then I'll no. go for you. I think ah, I'm really I don't you know to be honest with you, James, I don't have a clue. Uh, I'll tell you pros and cons quickly for each one. So Nick Pope for me, uh, out of I think it's going to be Pope Henderson and uh, Pickford that gets picked. For me, yes. Nick Pope is the best at commanding his box out of the three by three by a mile. Brilliant on crosses. Also arguably as good a shot stopper as the other two. Really, you know, he's huge, huge, huge frame and he gets down well to shots. Brilliant, as I say, brilliant on crosses. As a goalkeeper that we think back to 10 years ago, can he save shots? Can he command his box? He does the two really, really well. And on that alone, you, you, you have to consider it. The big the big thing that goes against him is his kicking's pretty bad. I mean, for, a, for a, 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 in a game now, what's dominated by how well you distribute the ball, Nick Pope's kick is a, a five out of ten i mean it, it gets over the halfway line but there's no real accuracy to it usually it's usually just hit which is fine for burnley but not for england now you got pickford world cup hero not really let his country down in fact he, he's been you know he, he got us through a penalty shootout against colombia made some brilliant saves in that tournament very good probably england's best kicker of a ball very usually very good at distributing the ball big presence at the back pretty good shot stopper uh, you know he is a good shot stopper usually i know he made a mistake at the weekend but he's good on david shots and very good reactions reflex wise particularly close in uh very agile big con for pickford is 
commanding box and concentration generally is a, is an issue sometimes and and we've seen that this season for his club and you've got Henderson who's probably been the standout in terms of Premier League goalkeepers because he's got both the shot stopping bits right and he's been good at kicking the ball out distributing the ball young keeper many people think he could be Man United's number one in a few years the big con against him is he's still very young hasn't actually had an England call up yet and he didn't have his best tournament in the under 21s the last time he had a big tournament so where do you go yeah it's a it's a tough one because I I mean I agree with everything you said pretty much um I, I rate all three of those keepers in their own way yeah it's it's not an easy decision to make and I think you actually absolutely have those have to be the three mm. in the squad and I think you have to try them all out mm. maybe beforehand because mm-hmm. yeah I don't think any of them are, I don't think any I don't think I certainly don't think that Pickford is doing enough for, for his club no. to say that he starts automatically mm-hmm. uh, even though he's got the shirt and he's had the shirt and he's performed well for England uh, you know he's not doing enough for his club to, to, to show that uh, that no. he should be automatically picked and Henderson is having an incredible season and mm-hmm. he's a he looks a very very talented keeper and looks like long term he could end up being England's number one yeah. at the moment yeah. you know so the question is, is, is are you looking to are you looking to plan long term? Are you wanting to achieve something now? So I mean, I in the long run, I think Henderson will be the number one. Mm. Whether he's going to be number one in this tournament, I don't know. But I he's the one I rate highly, most highly out of all of them, and I rate all of them, you know, for all the reasons that you've talked about. So mm. it's a difficult decision to make. I don't think there is a clear there's a no. clear leader at all. I don't mm. think anyone can come out and say that one should definitely be starting. Um, I mean, like you say, Nick Pope is, I rate him very highly. He, you know, he's done all those qualities you talked about. Mm. Um, you know, very commanding, you know, good shot stopper, all those kind of things. Very, That's all That's all really, really important. Mm. But, of course, he doesn't have the, the passing ability, the distribution that you no. need when you're playing for England. And mm. so, uh, and I think that's important to Southgate as well. Mm. That's why I'm not sure he will be the one that gets picked. I think it'll be between the other two as to who is the number one. I agree. I agree. And I think if the, the, the the things for Pickford that go in Pickford's favour for me are, you know, the way England play, they're going to, they, they like to play a passing brand of football. It's almost like, you know, what the positions players are going to be picking up based on, you know, previous games. Pickford's been the number one for quite a while for England, as we say, not really let them down. And also when, when you want a quick passing game, it help if the keeper already knows where so you know the players are going to roughly be so he can do it without thinking and suddenly you're 30 yards up the field you broke a line of a press uh, through the goalkeeper kicking whereas if Henderson comes in not only does he have to learn all of that and you know learn the where his players are going to be on the field because he hasn't picked it up with experience like Pickford might have done but also he's very young and uh, you know there's the idea of killing killing a keeper killing a player before he's you know had the chance to develop properly I mean if he came in and had a horror tournament then suddenly his reputation drops incredibly obviously it's it's a gamble if he comes in and he does remarkably well then suddenly he's Man United's number one but uh, I think the big, there's a big difference between Sheffield United when they defend in packs and he's got three centre-backs in front of him and full-backs tucked uh, wing-backs tucked in and he's got a defensive shield that protects him and keeps him cushy you know when you play for England obviously it's generally it'll generally be two centre-backs uh, instead of the five where they're all quite close-knit the defence in front of him it's going to be a much higher line and it's going to be a lot more responsibility on the goal 
goalkeeper, mm-hmm. you know, playing for the national team. But again, it, you, there's no right, wrong answer. I, I can't even tell you a straight answer now. Obviously, if, close to the time, I'll probably do a few tweets and maybe write a piece on it or do a podcast on it. That might be a good idea. But uh, looking at Declan Rice, I, uh, sorry, I, I gave a game away then. I was going to say looking at defensive midfielders that could play that position. And I think Declan Rice, uh, much to the annoyance of certain people who think I'm talking rubbish, I think there's three options. You've got Harry Wing, four options. Harry Wings, Declan Rice... Jordan Henderson in a deeper position, which he can play for Liverpool. He does really well, but I think probably would be better more box to box. And uh, Eric Dyer, who's got the sort of the experience of playing there in the past for England. I think with Rice, you've sort of got a player who's, you know, by by no means is there a standout here. I mean, Henderson's the best of all of them, but I'd rather play him slightly further forward. I think that's where he prefers to play. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Declan Rice is definitely my choice there. I I rate him really, really highly. He's a mm. A very talented player. He's, he can play centre back as well. Yeah. He's very good defensively. He's mm. good attitude. Yeah. He's got all the qualities really yeah. that you need. And you know, if you have Henderson with him, who's experienced, who's a leader, who again you know can be alongside him in a way um, and help him you know add that experience next to him in midfield. Yep. That 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 I think that would work. I think, I think the other thing with Rice is uh, particularly he's a very he's very. You know, very good in that in his position, and he's uh, again, uh, you, you know, he gets a bit of stick sometimes. I think people maybe because he's got links to big clubs, people watch him and think, oh no, he's nothing special. I think he just does his job really well, uh, generally, just just doing the basic kind of stuff well. He's not too good, I don't think, at playing a quick pass or being or, or or speed of thought. I mean, you look at maybe someone like Sergio Busquets or Xavi, when or people obviously and they're amazing players, but when they were in their pra- when they're in their prime and they played that kind of similar role, they could. Without looking, they spring a pass out and suddenly they broke. You broke past a line or something. Rice don't really do that. I think when I've noticed him, sometimes West say he's up against a deep, a deep block defense. He'll take a few touches. He'll play a simpleish pass. It's a tidy pass, but he's not going to do anything. You know, to break to break. Uh, through lines but someone like Harry Winks who I wouldn't necessarily trust in that role against a big club where you have to defend like a France or you have to or maybe you're on the back foot but against a smaller team say where they're sitting 11 behind the ball it might make sense to play maybe Harry Winks because he's another player who can play a pass that bit quicker maybe keep the tempo going that that bit um, more make it a bit more fluid I think Rice I'd have on uh, certainly for the bigger games where you need more physicality, you need someone to hold the position a bit more, be a bit more concentrated. But again, that's just a matter of opinion, I think. I, I think we can both rule out Eric Dyer, I think, personally. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I, you know, I, I wouldn't like to see that. I mean, as much as I think he's, you know, he's, he's still only 25, so he's still, still got some some ability, uh, some time to revive his career, but it has hit a bit of a wall, I think. But, what I, but you know, that again, that I think it's probably between uh, Henderson... Uh, Rice and Winks again probably better discussion close to the time uh, last thing I'd like to mention is, is Jack Grealish should he start should he not start really easy one well I rate Jack Grealish very highly I think he's a talented player and yep. he's also a leader as well I think if it depends on the formation that you play as well I um, think he should because I think I would like him to start I just yeah. need to it just needs to be in the right position. I would like to see him play in the number 10. I agree, yeah. I, um, I, I'd I, like I to see... What I would like to see is actually is Sterling and Sancho with him in the middle. Brilliant, oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. And then you could play Declan Rice and Henderson. As That's my team. That's my team. Yeah. Uh, and then you'd have, you know, obviously the back four. and Alexander-Arnold, Gomez, Maguire, be, Chilwell, that, probably. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. yeah. And, and that would, that would be... A, I think that would work, you know. I agree, yeah. Um, I, th- so, I think yes. for, for I, me, I see just... a lot of Joe Cole in him. He's a he's a you know he's a he's a very he's a big talent, and I think yeah. 
you put him on a big side around big players, other talented players, yeah, you'll yeah. see even more from him. You know, one of the most impressive things with him is, I think, as well, he's just so he, he works so hard. I remember seeing I've seen Aston Villa a few times, and he's he's leading the press all the time when he's further forward. He's always chasing the player down. He's always yeah. running and tracking back, and he's doing stuff. Maybe a bit different to James Madison, who sometimes doesn't his mind wanders occasionally. With Grealish, I think he knows he's the kind of guy everyone at Villa looks to, not only for creativity but in terms of pressing in terms of working hard and you know he really he he i think i, I was gonna him and john i love john mcginn as well at villa it's a shame he's injured but other than john mcginn i mean they are so reliant on Grealish. but i think you know i, I think he has the as we, we've just touched on the right attitude the quality to do well at the highest level i think he, he was a bit absent in the cup final, but that's understandable, I think, given who he was up against and the teammates that he had at the time. I think, yeah, I, th- I think he has to start and he, he, he give him England a bit of spark. And, you know, it's it certainly midfield. They, they could do with a bit of spark. I, we saw Deli Ali play in the World Cup. And for many, I, I've been thinking for a while, Deli Ali doesn't really do much apart from score the odd goal. And, yeah, um, I'm not convinced by Deli Ali. No, uh, especially not no. at the moment. He's not playing well enough to start. No. No, I don't uh, think Deli Ali makes my squad. I don't think he yeah, makes my I'm squad. Yeah, I'm not sure he does. I'm not sure he does. Yeah. Especially, I've been mean, reading the headlines this evening that you know, Phil Foden's going to get a call up soon. Really? You, uh, really? Uh, I don't know if Phil Foden makes mine. I mean, the, the problem is you've got Madison, Grealish, Loftus-Cheek, Mount, Foden, Ali. Yeah. Some of them are going to have to miss out. And at my money, yeah. I think Mount could well miss out in my eyes because Loftus-Cheek offers that bit different. It's just something different. Uh, yeah, it? I mean, it depends on how, how fit Loftus-Cheek is. And yeah. Loftus- played uh, a full 90 minutes for the Chelsea of the 23s tonight. Mm-hmm. Played pretty well. Won a penalty. I'm not... I mean, I'm probably speaking with my Chelsea fan hat on here. Yeah, I would yeah. rather that he doesn't go to the Euros and just go works on his fitness and gets... You know, he's had a massive injury. He's been out for a year. I get the All sense it, it might be a straight uh, shout between Mount and Loftus-Cheek, really. I, yeah, uh, you know, it, it could be, work. It might be. Um, and, I mean, if, if both were 100% fit, Loftus cheek every day of the week. Yeah. Um, but given the situation, you know, it's a tough, it's a tough call. It depends. It really depends on how, how Loftus cheek comes back. Yeah, you know yeah. how, and whether he, you know, because when you just come back from a big injury, you're more susceptible to getting little knocks, twinges, whatever. And maybe going to an international tournament might not be the best thing for his recovery. Yeah. That's that's just my thought because. I would rather not him not go to this tournament and then go to the World Cup and be fully fit yeah, than go yeah. to this tournament and then get another injury and then have another setback. You know, so that that really depends on you know on on Gareth Southgate and obviously he'll talk to Frank Lampard and Chelsea's medical department and the player and stuff about all of that and it will obviously depend on how he plays when he mm-hmm. when he comes back into the team because he won't be him 100% himself you know, no. when he comes back. So, just, just a sorry, James. Just a last word, actually, because I, I do want to hear a quick thought of, from a Chelsea fan on this. Uh, Reese James for me should be a sh- should be a shoe in for the squad, but I don't think he is. I genuinely think he could miss out because the right back options at, at, in England are ridiculous. You know, I think he uh, should be as well. I but, did tell, I remember at the start. Of the, I remember the start of the year, the season. Mm-hmm. I told you, Reese James, mm-hmm. you know, would 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 break would would be challenging for the England squad by the yeah. end of the year, and he is. But, but, but yeah. it's Reese James, Kyle Walker, Wan Bissaka, Kieran Trippier, who's actually done quite well in Spain, and um, and obviously Alexander Arnold. I mean that that's a yeah, ridiculous well, depth, isn't it? Obviously, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could you you couldn't really begrudge Kyle Walker or Wan Bissaka making number two, could you? No, I wouldn't yeah. either. Both yeah. very good right backs. Um, yeah. I think with Reese James, Reese James can play 
a number of positions as well. He can play. Yeah. He can play. He can play defensive midfield. Yeah. He can. He would. Oh, I'd love to see that. Wiggins. I'd love to see that. Player of the year. He's absolutely superb in midfield. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, so, and he can also play obviously right wing back if you play. If you play a three-four-three, yeah. you can play that. Play that as well. Uh, his crossing is just—it's scary, incredible. yeah, scary. Uh, it reminds me of David Beckham, honestly. It's, it's um, crazy to think he could miss out, but it shows the depth that England have in that particular in position. Uh, this time he will—he will go to the World Cup. Sure, sure, sure. This time he'll be well. He could be up up, up alongside Loft, um, not Loft, um Alexander Arnold. You got there. You got there. Very good. I mean, one one player who I'm a bit disappointed with, who I don't think, well, not, not, not just through fault of his, well, it's not his own fault necessarily completely, but uh, maybe the the hype that built him up. Callum Hudson Odoi signed a mega deal in the summer. I wrote an article on that saying I don't think they should have fed him so quickly. You know, he had still a lot to prove. That's proven to be the case this season. I know he struggled with injuries a bit as well and loss of form. I don't. He might go. I don't think he should. I really don't think he should go. I'm not sure if he will. Not, I hope he doesn't. I still think he's he's gonna he's got world class potential. I think this year he came back from a serious injury. No, no. Yeah. And it takes a while to come back from an injury it like does. that. Back to your to get back to what you were before. I, I mean, I, I think doctors say well, the you know, options are so good takes, now for England. It takes think, up to a year to get back to what you were before. Yeah. So yeah. and then he's had a few little tweaks along the way where you know, which is normal when you're coming back from a big injury. So. We haven't seen the best of him this season at all, yeah. um, and he will improve. You know, I on pure on raw ability, then I'd love to see him at the Euros. But there are other players who are playing in that position who probably have done yeah. more. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. like I mean, he wouldn't start even if he did go. I mean, you've it, got Sancho, yeah. you've got you've yeah. got you've got um, yeah. Sterling, you've got yeah. Rashford. You yeah. know, they can yeah. all play in, in those positions. So Jesse Lingard, if he did go, he wouldn't start. Jesse Lingard, of course, uh, could also. I mean, no. If Ross Barkley, if Ross, if Ross Barkley makes the squad, I might have a. I'm, I'm just going to throw my smash my laptop up. Uh, no, no. The amount of good options that are there now. If Ross Barkley, I know, I'm guaranteed. I think Jesse Lingard. If Jesse Lingard managed to worm his way in, I'd cry. I think. Uh, I think Gareth Southgate's more. He knows more uh, than you know. He's he's a wise. He's a wise head. He's Gareth Southgate. I think he'll pick a squad. He won't please everyone. Because I guarantee, if I put 23 man squad out on Transfer News Central Twitter, that I would get the same people calling me an idiot saying. I'm a fool, blah 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 blah. But I tell you what, those just just on that. Uh, when I said Leicester were going to finish, I think either fourth or fifth, I got lambasted by everyone for that. Well, no one's laughing now uh, when I said that that would happen. Yeah, so. I like that as well. I yeah, they, yeah. So they could they could be quiet. Uh, I think I put them fifth actually. After Arsenal signed Pepe, I think I th- for some reason thought that that would change their fortune. Yeah, I think we, I, I think we were a bit we were a bit kind of. Yeah, I panicked. I panicked. Like, I panicked. Yeah, I also spent loads of money. All the yeah, perfect. exactly. Yeah. yeah, I got a bit carried away. Uh, but but I did say before I put those predictions out, and as you well know, I said they'll get fourth, and then everyone was pine- pounding me with the throat. Oh, you're an idiot! Blah 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 blah. Well, I wasn't. So next time I do a predictions like that, I'm not going to listen to anyone. I'm just going to listen to myself, and then I will. Absolutely, then, absolutely. that's what I should always do. But obviously, social media. Anyway, um, yeah, that was a good discussion, James. Bumper episode. Lots of things in there. I think we covered a lot. Uh, I didn't even have any notes. I had no notes. Uh, so, no, 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 no. So yeah, there you go. It's just natural, raw uh, intelligence on the particular topic. Hopefully, that's how listeners see it anyway. So yeah, I'm sure we'll be back again uh, at some point next week. As I say, with every passing week, uh, I've still not gone back to my the other side of the world. But uh, okay, uh, I'm sure if anyone follows me on Twitter, they'll uh, 
they'll be uh, aware when I am on the other side of the world again. Anyway, until until next week, until until we return. Peace out. Hope you enjoyed the show. Yes. Yes. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye, everyone.